Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this great day. We thank you for this season of light. And we celebrate the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ who has come into the world. And we understand, Lord, that the darkness has not comprehended the light. But Father, I pray that we would be who you have made us to be, that we would shine brightly for you that those who are in darkness would see the light that you have given to us and that as we live in the light, we would continually call others to join us in the light of your grace and your love and your mercy. Thank you for forgiveness, Father. Thank you for grace that is greater than our sin. And thank you for hope in a world that sometimes seems hopeless. I thank you, Lord, that in Christ we have discovered a confident expectation that your great purpose will ultimately prevail. So today, Lord, we come to you and worship you. We offer you our lives again because you have given life to us. And we ask, God, that all you purpose to do in our lives would be fulfilled by your grace and for your glory alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Don't you love the music of Christmas? I love this time of year. When I think of Christmas, I think of music, and I love the way we've prepared this. Thank you, choir. What a beautiful song that you have shared with us this morning and each Sunday night and then on Christmas Eve, we are going to be sharing in great music and next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, so we will be greatly blessed. I also think of light when I think of Christmas. Do you? Uh, Just seeing the Christmas lights that are going up and being reminded that they are not up in my house yet and uh, I will uh, have to get busy with that tomorrow. But I love love the lights. I guess I have a kind of love-hate relationship with light. Like after Hurricane Ike, I really loved light. You know, I mean, after we went 11 days without power, yeah, I was ready for light. But On the other hand, when I'm trying to sleep and somebody needs to iron something and just, you know, close your eyes. They were closed, but go ahead, lights come on and we don't appreciate that. In fact, I read this week that they did a study of hamsters and just the light, the equivalent of a television makes, if you leave it on while the hamster's trying to sleep, it makes it depressed. Much worse than a depressed hamster, I think, is a depressed pastor or depressed people. Keith Green, the singer years ago, said, the world is sleeping in the dark, but the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. Would you open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 14? Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. That's verse 14. The early church sang that, we believe. We see glimpses of Isaiah in that passage, but mostly we see a new composition that perhaps the early church sang. Let's stand together to read the word of the Lord today, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. Last week we talked about living a life of love. Today, living as children of the light. What is that like? Listen to this, Ephesians 5, 3. But among you, 
There must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. You may be seated. God is good. All the time. It's good to open the word of the Lord and to think together. We've been talking about what it would be like to be who God has made us to be. And now with God's help, we will be who we are. And who are we? He said last week, as as children of God, we imitate God by living lives of love because our God is love. The scripture also teaches us that God is light, that he lives in unapproachable light. The writer of Hebrews says, our God is a consuming fire, indicating to us that he is not to be trifled with. Our God is powerful and great, and he is light. And Jesus, who said in in John uh, chapter 8, verse 12, and in John chapter 9, verse 5, I am the light of the world. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world, he said, as he healed a blind man, and changed his darkness into light. This same Jesus says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill. Don't try to hide your light. Notice that he doesn't say in this passage, you used to be in the darkness and now you are in the light. That's not what he says. He says, you were darkness, and now you are light. So live with integrity in your identity. That is, be who you claim to be. I was driving through our neighborhood yesterday, and one man was jogging along, and on the back of his shirt it said, be all you used to be. And I thought, I don't think I want to. I think he may have meant athletically, and that might be a good thing to be as big or strong or fast as we used to be, but, but there is much about our past that we should not return to, Paul says. We used to be darkness, but now we live in the light. And what does the light do? The light, the light illumines the darkness around it. It can't help itself. It's just the nature of light to shine. There's not enough darkness in all this world to extinguish the light of a single candle burning brightly. We illumine the darkness and, Paul says, we invite 
those who live in the darkness to join us in the light. Listen to what he teaches. You were once darkness, and he gives the examples there in verse 3. We just touched on them last week, but he says, among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, of any kind of impurity or of greed. Now he lived and he talked to people who were in Ephesus. He writes this letter to people who live in Ephesus while he's in a prison cell in Rome. And he says to them, I know you live in this culture that is just sexually charged in the the worship of Diana and the fertility worship and all of that. And I saw this week that they, they had a wall collapse in ancient Pompeii. And I remembered my teacher in seminary telling us that when the archaeologists first went to Pompeii and they began to uh, excavate this city that was covered up by the lava flow of Mount Vesuvius when it erupted. Remember that from history. And when they began to excavate that city, the murals on the wall were so obscene that they had to cover them with canvas so that they could continue their work of excavation. The word for morality is pornaya, gives us our word, pornography. And he says, among you, there must not even be a a hint of any kind of immorality or impurity. I know it's pervasive in our world. They discovered, I read this week, an infidelity gene. They found people who are more likely to engage in risky behavior. So they're more susceptible, for instance, to drug addiction, more susceptible, it said, in the survey to infidelity. But even in that same survey, they found people who had the gene for infidelity who were choosing to live in faithfulness. Such were some of you. But God has made you to be Light. I, I read years ago, uh, somebody wrote the advice columnist, Dear Abby, and, and said to her, um, I'm involved in two extramarital relationships, and I just, I need to know which person I should be with, and, and I need your advice, so would you just give me some advice, but I don't want to hear any morality. And Dear Abby wrote back and said, The only thing that separates humans from animals is morality. Perhaps you should write to a veterinarian you might get better advice. Well, we live in this world where, where immorality is, is all around us, and Paul says, just don't let it be in you. Maybe it was in you, but he says, no longer is that the way that you live, because Christ has come to set you free from that. So don't live in darkness. Don't pretend to be darkness. When God has already made you to be light, They say that Augustine, the great church father, had lived a a very immoral life and then became a follower and his former mistress called to him over the wall and said, Augustine, it is I. And he shouted back, but Claudia, it is no longer I. A songwriter, Brandon Heath, sings, I'm not who I was. We are not, and Paul says, so we leave the darkness behind, the darkness of immorality and impurity of greed. Would you have put greed in that? He says these are improper for God's holy people. The problem, he says, with greed later is that it's really idolatry. It's worshiping things. And perhaps no season of the year makes us more aware of that. This Christmas season can be about being consumers and being consumed with consumption, we might say. So I appreciate those who are involved in the Advent conspiracy. I don't know if you've seen that. You can Google it sometime and see. Advent conspiracy is a group of people who want to restore the scandal of Christmas, they call it. 
call it, which is that Christmas is not about consumption, but about compassion. And they are dedicating their Christmas money not to buying more and more and better and better gifts for themselves, but to giving to those who are genuinely in need. And of course, at this time of year, we are most aware that we are surrounded by people who are in need. And we get the chance to be a part of that and to share our lives with them. Paul says, life is not about greed. You used to steal, he said, remember it last week. But now you work with your hands so that you'll have something to give to others. We are called out of the darkness of our selfishness and greed. We're not involved in vulgarity, impurity. We're not involved in foolish talk or coarse jesting. He says instead, we live with thanksgiving because because that's not who God has made us to be. We've been given the inheritance of light. Why would we live in the darkness? He says, don't be deceived. Wrath comes on those who continue to be darkness. And he says, but that's not who you were, you should not be partners with them. It's easy sometimes to be so immersed in a world of sin that we begin to say that's just the way we are. But Paul says that's not the way we are. And God calls us out of that darkness so that we're not partners with them. Verse 7, verse 11, he says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. He says that's not the way you are to live. In fact, you are to expose the darkness. Some years ago, you probably heard about Stockholm Syndrome. Remember in 1973, there was a robbery uh, of a bank, and the man Olson, who robbed the bank, took four hostages. And over the period of days that followed in that hostage uh, situation, the hostages began to identify more with their captor than with those who could set them free. They were more afraid of the police than they were of their own captor. And so when, when Olson called the prime minister and put uh, this young woman, Kristen Enmark, on the phone, she said, you're not doing a very good job, prime minister. We don't like you. And here she is in captivity, and she's identifying with her captor. After the ordeal was over, those four refused to testify against the one who captured them. And some of them raised money for his legal defense. This was perplexing to psychologists. They couldn't figure out what happened. They call it Stockholm Syndrome. That, that people And they asked Kristen and Mark recently, what happened to you? And she said, things get turned upside down when you are in captivity. And wrong begins to seem right. And right begins to seem wrong. And spiritually, there is a similar syndrome that affects us that sometimes we are immersed in a culture so long that what is the culture becomes who we are, but he says darkness does not become you. Light and love become you. So live as children of the light. Live a life of love. How do we expose the darkness? He says simply by living as the light and the fruit of the light. Verse 9 is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. It sounds like the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, we don't think of light as bearing fruit. We think of the Spirit as bearing fruit. And Paul mixes this metaphor. We shouldn't get uh, mixed up with that. Just simply, we would say this, that those who live in light should not bear darkness, fruit of darkness. 
Some of you have uh, citrus trees that are bearing fruit in these days, and I am the beneficiary of uh, some of your gifts. Uh, Larry Heslip has a lemon tree. Michael Melchiori has a grapefruit tree. Wonderful lemons, wonderful uh, grapefruit. But if, for instance, tomorrow Larry went out into his yard and there was a grapefruit hanging on the lemon tree, we would think that was odd. If Michael found a lemon on his grapefruit tree this week, we would think that's strange. Paul says you are to bear the fruit of the light goodness, righteousness, and truth. So, so if you bear darkness, then that's confusing to the world around you. I read this week, I love Thomas Kincaid. I love the painter of light. And it turns out, as I read, that, that his company's in a bit of trouble and he personally got in a bit of trouble. And the reporter almost rejoiced that one who claimed to be a follower of Christ would be enduring difficulty. The world around us, it turns out, has very little tolerance for perceived hypocrisy. They want to believe that we're not who we claim we are. And for for that reason, all the more, we must live with the power that God has given us. I'm not saying try a little harder to do a little better. I'm just saying let the light that is in you so shine that you illumine the darkness, that you expose the darkness. I don't mean by that that we annoy those who are in the dark. I know that, uh, you know, like the hamsters, you know, if you leave a light on long enough, it may irritate those who are around you. And that's not our purpose. And I also know the darkness has a way of irritating us. Maybe you saw that billboard in another city that that, uh, had the picture of the three wise men in the stable and Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger and then the top of it says we all know it's a myth let's return to reason things like that annoy me but they live by different rules than we do it's not our purpose to annoy the darkness but to illumine it to bring light to the darkness that is to invite this is what verse 14 is about invite those who live in darkness to come out of the darkness and into the light. Jesus said that to the Pharisees of his day in John uh, chapter 3. After he was speaking to uh, Nicodemus, he invited him to come out of the darkness and into the light. Listen to what Paul says. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. I think I've seen that in the lives of, of believers from time to time. A friend of mine and I were talking about Jerry Clower this week, that Mississippi comedian. He used to tell about a country church where they proposed in a business meeting that they would buy a chandelier. And one man stood up. He was the resident contrarian. He stood up and he said, I'm against it. Nobody was surprised. He was always against everything. But they said, why are you against it? He said, for three reasons. First of all, nobody here can spell chandelier. Second of all, even if we buy it, we don't have anybody who can play it. And third of all, what we really need around here is more light, he said. (laughs) Well, I think he was right. They needed more light. And in a world of darkness, what we really need is more light. We need the light of Christ that awakens us, that shines on us and in us so that we become the light of the world. I think about Bill uh, Bill White, a pastor over in California who um, was involved in a community project there helping people Uh, They were renovating, kind of Habitat for Humanity, except they were renovating an existing home. So he was walking through the neighborhood in his yellow volunteer shirt. A man who was standing in a yard that he walked by said, I want to thank you for what you're doing. I love your heart. Where can I get a heart like yours, he said. Even pastors don't get many opportunities like that. He turned and he said, I got my heart from Christ. And he would love to give you a new heart 
as well. This is our message, that when people see us simply shining, simply being the light of the world, we'll have the chance to explain to them the reason for the hope that is in us so that their hopelessness will be transformed into hope, so that their darkness will be transformed into light. We saw it in the life of Phyllis Fritch. We celebrated her life. She who was killed in a car accident on October the 10th, her husband Jerry, finally well enough to join us for a memorial service. Yesterday he has another surgery this week. Continue to pray for him. He's, he's doing well by the grace of God, we might say. But as we celebrated her life, I had the chance just to listen to the family as they rose up and called her blessed. I had the chance to listen to this church family and those whom she's touched in churches in Louisiana and in Scotland, in Canada, and in Houston. And those who said, this is who she was. One of our little girls said, when she smiled, it lit up the whole room. Those of you who know Phyllis know that is true. And then they went on to talk about her life. One, one man said to his parents-in-law, he said years ago, not recently, years ago, he said, if Jesus had been a woman, he would have been like Phyllis. Now that's a high compliment. Just take that for what it means, that, that we saw Christ shining in her life. The children saw it. The ladies in the prison and the jails saw it when she ministered to them and if you know Phyllis it's hard to imagine her in the prison setting but she uh, she said to a friend back in Scotland when she got involved in prison ministry here she said I'm glad to be back in prison again it gives me a chance to minister to these ladies the chaplain the chaplain who saw her the first time she was coming here in Houston to the prison turned to somebody and said no way no way she will ever connect with these women she's way too nice She's too kind, but it was her kindness that won them over so that when one of them heard that she had been killed in the accident, this woman, Alana Bell, wrote, I have become a Christian. I have been saved through Phyllis's ministry to me. And now I know that Phyllis is with our Father. When the world sees the light in us, They want that light in their lives. And when they have that light, they no longer talk about your heavenly father. They begin to talk about our heavenly father. Maybe this has been a hopeless week for you. Maybe it's been a dark week for you. But the good news is the light of the world shines in us and on us. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. All of us know people like Phyllis Maybe you're seated on a pew next to somebody like Phyllis today. My word to you is not just know those people, but would you this week be those people who shine the light of Christ? Just one person, just one life this week. Shine light and watch what God does. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your amazing light that enlightens the whole world, Lord. Thank you that your light has found its way into our lives. Help us, Lord, I pray, to punch holes in the darkness this week. Everywhere we go, just to shine, to shine for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.